Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Uh, when Max got stepped on in the first inning, what, what was your thought there? And just talk about his response after that. Because yeah, he... no, that, that was scary. I was like, oh, you know, it was um, very scary, really, because I couldn't tell. Um, I was just glad when he got up and through that everything was good. And then he had a really stressful inning after that. I was um, <clears throat> just kind of wondering what that was going to take, that whole incident would take out of him. And he rebounded and, and did a great job, obviously. But, yeah, that was a scary moment right there that, um, especially after what happened to Charlie and, and, and also um, I was really glad that you know he was able to go on. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Boy, was he ever able to go on. Max Freed, six innings for the Atlanta Braves, four hits, six yeah. strikeouts, no walks, and the, the play we talked about, Kevin Barker, uh, Michael Brantley stepping on him at first base. And, of course, there was some uh, – a lot of people immediately wondered why the Atlanta Braves didn't challenge that play because it, it was pretty clear that Brantley didn't uh, touch the, touch the bag. Well, uh, Jeff Passan uh, tweeted out a link to a, a, a minor league umpire who basically said that on that play, it's whoever gets over the bag first had, had Max Freed gone over and tagged Michael Brantley. He's out. He's out. But because Brantley went over the bag first, turned around and came back, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's safe. So, there was, and, and it was, if you saw the Braves replay, they immediately said no replay. Like there wasn't, they, they immediately said no replay. So, right. so there you go. That, that explains that particular rule. But mm. I mean, let's, let's talk about Max Fried, Kevin. Um, the only way that could have been any more perfect, I suppose, is if they'd let him go through the seventh inning. But he, he well, what happened after that? that injury and after that rough inning because he did I don't know if it was something he did or it was something the Astros hitters started he, to do or didn't he do. threw 74 pitches to seven breaking balls seven curveballs out of the 74 and we pitches. thought he'd have to throw mix I, in more curve yeah. we both said he's gonna have to mix in more curves absolutely it was more he threw 14 sliders he threw uh 10 change-ups the change-up was good a- after that one little inning where he had to muscle up and throw the 97 98 and you know, it looked just looked like if he's going to get beat, it was going to get beat with something that he could locate. And yeah, he he was trying to force it down early, which was a good pitch. He wanted to establish in with the velocity. He wanted the sinker down and away, which was a good pitch for him. He threw quite a few of those. He tunneled the change up off that, which was seven or eight mile an hour difference. That was a good pitch for him. Just didn't look like for me whether he didn't think he needed the curveball or he didn't have good feel for it. It was early on for me. It looked like he wanted to grip it and rip it a little bit more. And that curveball is a little bit more of a feel pitch. You know, the slider is you put it in your hand, you squeeze it, and throw as hard as you can. Curveball's got to come off the fingers right. You want to get the big break. You want it starting at their helmet. You want it breaking down around their their ankles. So you have to have good feel that. You have to have a good finish to it. He just looked to me like he didn't want to take chances. On, on missing one of those and falling behind in counts. So that would, that swing count thing I was talking about, give the Astros a chance. But 
This is exactly what they needed. And, and uh, you know, if you're Brian over there and you saw him getting stepped on, you're thinking, oh, no, here comes Jesse Chavez and, mm. and, and the Drew Smiley's and the, and the Kyle Wright's and the Dylan Lee's. Oh, no, this is not going to be a good thing. But Max Free, this is exactly what the doctor ordered. It was you know, occasionally there has to be one of those aha moments where I've had enough of this. Yep. It's, it's me against you. It's first and second. It's a big part of the game. This could be making or breaking us because chances of us winning game seven is not great. It's I'll, really not. I'll, I'll tell you what. To me, the moment was that that final pitch. Was it the final pitch of the third inning? We hit 98.4 and, and and just ended the inning. And you could see him when he came off the mound. He like pumped his pumped his fist. That, to me, was... That's the first inning. Was it the first inning? First where he, 98, sorry, 98. But you know the the pitch I'm talking It was 98.4. It was perfect. The Guria, yeah. And, and that... Just kind of to me was the indication that he okay. gave the Hulk sign and to to his teammates saying, "I got through it. Now let's roll." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and he made the point. Max Fried made the point afterwards that it was that that the the leg was more stiff than anything else. And your your point was well made as well. And John Smoltz made it on the uh, on mm-hmm. on the TV as well. Thank goodness that that Michael Brantley was wearing the plastic spikes and not the not metal. the metal not the metal cleats because that would have shredded. That would, that, well, that could have I'm very not sure it would have shredded, but it, it would have poked through That's stuff it. that it shouldn't have been poked through, and that would have mm-hmm. they would have had to stop game, probably stopped his flow. You could tell he he was that sort of clicked something in, like mm-hmm. I've had enough of this, and and now I need to get frisky out here. And if if he would have been wearing metal spikes, maybe that would have stopped the game. They would have had to have the trainer come out and just it, it would have it would have not been a good thing for the Braves as a whole. So good thing for that, and and good for you know it was a bad thing for the Astros because for whatever reason, it just seemed like the lefties gave them a big big time issue. And playing at home, home field advantage was not non existent. They were one and two, I think they were three and ten or three and eleven in the mm-hmm. playoffs at home. So home field advantage was was non existent for the Astros, which would I think tell you a little bit of of that short porch and left that the the visiting teams I, I think finally realized that we're playing here too. We can use that to our advantage. If we get a good pitch to hit, we can get it down, get it singing, change the plate out in front. You know, that imaginary plate I talk about all the time, hitting it, getting it out in front. Maybe you can pull balls if you're a right-handed hitter. If you're a left-handed hitter, you think middle the other way, keeps you in the zone longer, just has you allows you to have better at bats. And I, I say it anyway. You can say it any way you want to say it. The better team won the World Series. Well, without the, the, the team, that they were certainly playing better at the time, yes. Better team won. Um, well, I, Better pitching, but I better team one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know, you can that, say that, that and that, say it. Uh, I, I think if you gave if you gave most people the option of having the the Astros lineup or the Braves lineup, people would probably still take the Astros lineup. But I'm just saying that you're you're right. The better there, there's no what's comparison that saying, good between pitching the two always teams beats good hitting. Now. Yeah, maybe not always, but most of the time, that's that's what happened here. You again, you you need some guys to get hot. Exactly what the bullpen did for the Braves. That lefty had a bunch of lefties which not many teams can get through having a bunch of lefties, especially in key situations where the manager's not afraid to go to them at any time of the game to any part of the opposing lineup, no matter if they're right-handed or not, to have that power, to have confidence in those guys that they can command two pitches and help that team win games, tip your hat. Sometimes you just get beat, and that's what happened to the Astros. Talk about that, that home run by Jorge Soler, 446 feet. What did Dan Schulman say out of the park and into the night, uh, which is exactly what happened. The roof was open, very similar to home run hit by Albert Pujols 
uh, off Brad Lidge, who was on our he'll show never, yesterday. He'll never live that down, will he? That one pitch. Well, Brad be, got a world. Brad, yeah, but Brad. Well, Brad got a World Series ring. So if anybody brings it up, he can go. Yeah, but you know, take a look at the. Take a look at how up. this. Take a look at how this thing sparkles and shines. So I'm sure Brad. Brad will be. Brad will be okay with that. But hey, Kevin Jorge Soler, look, this gets back to Alex Anthopoulos too. The ML, the MVP in the NLCS is Hedy Rosario, a guy that he acquired. The MVP in the World Series is Jorge Soler, a guy he required. Now, I'm going to say this because people are talking about who the hell would have thought Jorge Soler would ever emerge. Jorge Soler, playing in Kansas City, hit a bunch of home runs in yep. a ballpark that's not necessarily easy to hit home runs. Yeah, in. he's got a violent swing. That, that's the one thing is is if your other teams looking at Soler, you're thinking they can be a ton of up and da- ups and downs because of the violence. It, it is He ain't getting cheated. He's a giant human who thinks every time he swings the bat, he can hit the ball to the moon. And so, that, that's his game. Like, what's the difference between him and Vladdy as hitters? I think Vladdy, for me, thinks more right center now. He okay. thinks up the middle the other way, and Soler's not thinking that. He is thinking about getting it down as quick as he can. And if he can lay off that close pitch, well, you know, more times than not, he thinks that if he gets a ball in the middle of the plate. Uh, me, me, they were, what they're trying to do is they're trying to elevate fastballs, and they were trying to go sliders away. Mm-hmm. And the more you show him the slider away, the more he can time that up. Garcia just made a bad pitch. Now, was it a slider? Was it a cutter? I have no idea. Speed tell you it's a cutter. Yeah. The pitch looked like a the slider. Pitch looked like a slider. So I have no idea which one it was. It looked like a slider to me. But speed-wise, it'll tell you Garcia's slider and, cur- and, and cutter are – I think his slider somewhere in the 79 range. His cutter somewhere not in that 84, 85 range. That was 83, 84 range. Who cares what the pitch was? But point being is the more you see it, the more you throw it, better chance that that hitter has a timing it up. It's a bad pitch. It's a terrible pitch. Two strikes. You can't make those pitches. And you Hit saw your, Dusty's reaction. In absolutely. The, he was thinking the same thing I was thinking. If you're going to, you don't have to throw him a strike, make it look like a strike, which is what they were trying to do. But this gets back to to Dusty's point about these young guys. The moment sometimes gets a little bit too big, and you think to yourself, okay, what do I have the best chance of throwing that I can get this guy out? Is it – what did he throw him in? He threw him four cutters, two sliders, and two four-seamers. Two four-seamers. And he hit the slider out of the cutter or whatever you want to call that pitch. It's just – would you pitch sequences? Now, if he makes a good pitch on the flip side of that, you could probably say he gets him out. But – Young guy, older guy, been there and done it before. The moment's not too big. What would he have thrown him? How would he have thrown him? Is he capable of making it look like a strike? And that's what Dusty was thinking. That's why you saw it's it's rare that you will see Dusty visibly upset about something. Yes. And that will tell you they had a certain way of getting a guy out. And if he halfway decently executes it, it's a totally different game. It's like the Swanson, the Dansby Swanson at bat against uh, against Javier. Dansby Swanson is one of the worst breaking ball hitters in baseball. It's not even close. It's not even close. And that's what happened, too, in game four. Javier threw him three sliders in three sliders, three sliders in a row in game four. And he throws him fastball middle of the way, elevated, gets that home run to right field. Last night, he threw him three sliders in a row, not even close. He throws a fastball down the middle, he hits a two-run homer. Why would you do that? Just, he, it's it's just amazing to me that when you have a veteran catcher behind the plate, that that's his job to understand this dude has no chance. He opens the front hip. He's trying to create loft with his barrel, which you could get him out with something spinning, and it don't have to be a, a good pitch to be a decent pitch. I just 
big part of the game right there. Instead of five nothing, it's three nothing. You you could you have a chance. Five nothing, you have no chance. The way your offense is playing, the way they can go to that those three headed monsters at the back end of the bullpen, you basically have no chance after five nothing. I just I think there's a there's a lot of reasons why the Astros lost, but it's just moment and Dusty mentioned it out loud. Now obviously he would never in a million years mention people's names. You watch the game, you know exactly who he's talking about. So, Carlos Correa was asked after the game about you know, the, the storyline throughout this, the the you know, 2017 uh, cheating scandal. And, and you know, Carlos Correa gets asked about this all the time. And, and it, my thought on that, Kevin, is I think we've all kind of, as baseball fans normally do, we've all sort of, come to our own conclusion about 2017 and the Astros. It'll really bother some people. Some people it won't bother. Uh, But I will say this. Whatever your take on the Astros cheating scandal, to me, this World Series loss ensures that it's not going to be put to bed for a long, long time. Because as much as Carlos Correa can come out and say... We're a good team. Look at all the World Series we've been to. Look at all the division titles you've won. He he can't throw out the yeah, but. Had the Astros won this series, every Astro player, every Astro fan would have been able to say, okay, you're telling us that we cheated in 2017. Yeah, we did, but we won in 2021. They can't say that now. So to me, and and with George Springer leaving last year and Carlos Correa likely leaving this year, this just ensures that the narrative is going on, that that it's going to go on Maybe forever. Maybe the only way you can win that a World it's going Series to go on is if you cheat. Well, yeah, basically, because there's the only no one they've won because, is because be, they were cheating. Well, and because I would say, show me evidence to the contrary. Absolutely. If you, if if the Astros had won this year, then they could say, okay, look, enough. We won in 2021, mm-hmm. fair and square, and. There, you know, look at my ring. We won in twenty twenty one. Offensively, how bad were they this year? They were really bad offensively this year. Well, in, I'm not in the saying that's the, that's the that's the reason why. But in the World Series, you could you could see. I, I told you, Brantley had one RBI. Alvarez was two for twenty with no RBIs. So Bregman was two for twenty one. If you really with, want to pile RBIs, sure. If you really want to pile on the Astros, you say not only couldn't you, not only couldn't you win a World Series without cheating, but you couldn't hit without cheating in the Absolutely. World Series. I don't buy that necessarily because I've made, again, I've made my peace with it, but this just ensures that that narrative goes on forever and ever. They they will forever, the Houston Astros will forever be tainted now as a team that could only win the World Series because they cheated. I don't think that's necessarily true, but that's the narrative, and I got no evidence otherwise. Because George Springer gone, Carlos Correa is gone. Justin Verlander isn't probably isn't going to be around. That team's been broken up, and, and you guys didn't win anything when you didn't cheat, that core, period. That core will always be known as cheaters in 2017, and you can't win without cheating, without banging trash cans or doing whatever it is you did because you want to know why? Because you haven't done it since then. That's why. Yeah, the, the Offensively, you're not – when it matters the most, the people on your team – didn't perform. And people that are, you know, Astros haters, and we'll never let that go. I picked the Astros this year in seven games mm-hmm. because of Dusty, not because of the Astros. The Astros players as a whole, and I've said this to you, and I'll keep, continue to say it, they're impossible to root for. 
as an ex-player, this is me. I'm, this is me talking. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. Yep. I, ch- I picked the Astros this year because I wanted Dusty to win. I think Dusty is a tremendous human and deserves to be a part of that. And that's the only reason I picked him. And I, I'm with you. This is until they actually win another one. It's just this just adds fuel to the fire. This is not going to go away anytime soon. No. Until they actually win one. No. And until and if you want to even be a little more direct, until George Springer and Carlos Correa win a World Series. There you go. Elsewhere, it's also. I mean, it's part of the narrative. It has to be. It has to be part of the narrative. And the only way that was going to be put to rest was by a World Series win. And bark your point. And hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, but coming uh, coming in, I hadn't even thought of it. And I was I was thinking about sort of how, how do you put this in context? But your point's well made. Not only didn't you win the World Series, but your offense stunk. Your hitters stopped hitting. Altuve didn't get on base. Michael Brantley wasn't great. You hit two home runs playing in one of, in, in a home run friendly ballpark. You hit two home runs with all your right handed power. You hit two home runs. There you go. For me, for me, that that got worse. The conversation about them cheating in 2017, you could say it gets worse now. I I think that's fair. I I I, I absolutely think that's fair. And. You know, now it'll come down to, uh, th- this is where I think Dusty comes to play. If, if, you, are, if you are the Houston Astros, uh, as long as you have Dusty there, you, you at least have a counter narrative to spin, right? But I, I, I don't, you know, Altuve's still going to be, still going to have it hanging over his head. Guriel less so. Bregman is one of Bregman, the guys. Bregman is absolutely really, really hurt him. You can see absolutely it on his it face did. and conversations he has to have about it. Just he's the one guy that doesn't like it. Do you remember how a couple of years ago, one of the things we talked about Alex Bregman, he had so much fun playing the game. You watched Alex Bregman play the game. He had a lot of fun. I watched him out there this, and I saw him off and on this year and during the postseason. He looked to me like somebody who just... I don't want to say this, but I, I'm going to say it because it needs to be said. He he looks like somebody this time of the year who actually might need it to know, you know, what what's, what that pitcher's featuring. I'd say it just swings, how much he misses balls by. It's just... Now, again, you tip your hat to the Braves. They're pitching, especially those lefties. They so you're are basically electric. saying Alex Bregman electric, but may have may have profited from lie, that more than anybody else. Stats don't lie, do they? Why, why is the guy coming on yelling and screaming about his top hand? Who who you've covered baseball forever? I was in cages forever. Yeah. I've never heard a good hitter talk about top hand. No, really? it's usually the bottom hand. Absolutely, that's... top hand. I need to keep both hands on the on the bat. What? Okay. He's the one guy for me that you that you look at and you look at stats and you look what he hasn't done and how much he misses balls by. Feet. I watched every pitch. You watch every pitch. Did he you say the most of the time he looked lost? Yeah. Yeah, he when he swung and missed, he swung and missed. Absolutely. So I, I just I maybe that's not fair for me to say that because he is a he's a good hitter. But maybe he needs that extra edge yeah. to be an elite hitter when it matters the most. That's well, all yeah. I'm saying. You'd hate to think that, but numbers lie. They are there. I don't want to take anything away from the Braves because they were nasty, especially that bullpen. They were running out some thunder, and they they had lots of vinegar. 
like behind it. They had a lot of confidence, but still, you're hitting me the order, and you consistently do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. This is what I said about Jordan Alvarez. Now I'm not lumping him into that mix, but I, it's that's why I think he was trying too hard. Good hitters, you don't, you shouldn't be able to get out over and over and over again, no matter how good that pitching is. They should be able to make adjustments quicker than everybody else does, quicker than a Kevin Barker can make it, and actually be able to translate that on the field. That's well, it, it surprises me that we saw Jordan Alvarez dominate teams like the Braves, or I'm sorry, the 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 Dodgers. Uh, uh, brain fart. Red Sox. Yeah. Red Sox. Thank well, you. The pitching's not Jordan. as good with the, the with pitching's the Red not Sox. as good That's as obvious. the Red Sox, but still, he he absolutely dominated it. Chris Sale dominated. Yeah. And then to go into this series, lost. Exactly. Didn't have an RBI. Two for twenty. Hardest hit ball he had was his last. His last at bat. I think he hit that oh, that two strike pitch to left to left field. Hey, look, this this is uh, again. These conversations may not be fair for me to be throwing them out there the way I'm throwing them out there because we're not in the room and we don't understand what's going on and what the guys are going through when it comes to to struggling and what they what they have to figure out ways to. Not overthink it. Make it simple as possible. See ball, hit ball, all of those things. But, man. is Let me ask you this, because we'll be joined by David Sampson in a few minutes. Um, The 2021 season is over. We know that there are going to be labor talks coming up, and we'll have plenty of time to deal with that. And, and, you know, the first date you want to keep in mind if you're a baseball fan now is December 2nd, because that is when the current CBA expires. And uh, if there is no agreement on a new CBA by December 2nd. And I can't imagine there would be if there is no agreement at that point, baseball is in a position. Owners are in a position where they can effectively put a, a, a freeze on any transactions, any signing doesn't necessarily mean we're headed for a lockout. If you, if you really want to worry about a lockout, wait until about two weeks before spring training is going to start. And if nothing's done by then, then you can start, then you can start, uh, can start worrying about, about a lockout, so there's there's a lot of stuff to be done this offseason. But, Kevin, I wanted to ask you this. The talk this World Series about pace of play, length of games, et cetera, et cetera, is baseball in a good spot right now? Do you think baseball's in a good spot right now, the game of baseball? No. Do you mean to get new fans watching baseball? Yeah. The, if game, the, game of, the game of baseball. I did, I did. After this World Series, do you feel better about it, worse about it, or the same as he felt going in? I, I've, I've said this to you before. I would, I'll watch a Jays-Orioles game on field nine and Jays up 14 in the second inning. That's me. I'll watch it no matter what. But I'm, I'm not the norm. I'm, why, why, unless you have an invested player that you want to tune into consistently because that team's playing, why else would you want to tune into a Braves-Astros game when – they're four hours long consistently. Yeah. I, how do you fix that? I have no idea. Like I've sat down and tried to think of ways. And the only way you think about it is the, the one game when I think it was Arkady and, and Max Fried in his last game after the second inning, they were rolling through it and the game had some rhythm to it. Like it had mm-hmm. a flow to it. That's for me. It's the only way it's going to get better. It's better pitching, Be- better at bats, better, like just consistent. Here it is. Strike one. They're efficient. There's not 15 pitches. Always thinking about striking you out instead of getting you out. Until that actually happens, this I don't. How do you fix it, Jeff? Like it, it's not an easy fix. The teams like the Rays all of a sudden aren't going to stop basing their team around a bullpen. It's just not going to happen. Like it's the, the, because they can't afford to. 
It's more expensive expensive to go out and, and spend your money on elite starting pitching. Why would you do that if you're the Rays? Why would you do that if you're a low-market team when you could go out and get 15 arms who throw a bazillion miles an hour and you can teach how to control it somewhat? If you throw enough of them at that different arms at a certain lineup, most of the time you're going to get them out. So why would that change? I just don't know how you're going to fix it if you're Major League Baseball. That's it's, all. It's frustrating, too, because there are so many good young players in the game now. Every every team, I mean, some teams like the Blue Jays have got two or three really good young players, but every team in baseball has got a young player that is potentially a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying they're all right. going to get there, but every team has got one young player where you can look at that guy. And when I say young, I mean under 25 and go, huh. Guy might be a Hall of Famer. Right. Uh, or he's he's certainly, we never know about health, he's certainly positioned to be a dominant player. But I haven't seen young talent sprinkled throughout the game as much as it is now. I just haven't. That's a great point. I, I, asked, my, I asked my dad, who's a Braves fan, uh, who, if you're just a normal fan, who you would tune in when Acuna Jr. is not in the lineup or on the field, who you tuning in to watch at, with the Atlanta Braves? And he said Freddie Freeman, but a lot of fans who watch Freddie Freeman would say that's not a ton of fun to watch. But he's not athletic. He's he doesn't run around with his hair on fire. He's a good, really good, really, really, really good player. But is that the reason? Is he the reason why fans that are not fans of the of the Braves are going to tune in to watch the Braves? I that's the whole point here. Is is I'm with you on that side of it. But the teams that don't have those guys that everybody that are not fans of that team, who why would they tune in to watch? And one that's of the, what that's the issue that baseball has. I think. One of the real issues that has as well is even if you have Ronald Acuna, the only time you are going to be able to enjoy Ronald Acuna right now is when he's standing at the plate. Because there's not enough action in the game that you can, and and it's it's baseball, so it's not like basketball. One guy isn't going to have possession of the ball all the time, right? There's gonna, never going to be a LeBron James where he's going to have possession up and down the court, play defense, et cetera, et cetera. But because there's so little action in baseball right now, you lose the possibility of going to watch Ronald Acuna hit a home run, steal a base, and make a bunch of plays in the outfield. So by increasing the amount of action in the game, theoretically at least, you should be ensuring that your best athletic players are more involved in things. And and that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about when we talk about pace of play is you want to give your really good, exciting players as much opportunity as possible to shine. Now, the nature of the game, if if a guy on the mound is pitching a no-hitter, you know, it, it's still the one sport where the defense has possession of the ball. So you, you can't do anything about that. But not every game is a no-hitter, and there need something needs to be done to the game to ensure that you see more of Ronald Acuna Jr. when he isn't hitting. Uh, or... Bo Bichette when he isn't hitting or teams get to the point where they're not taking out their team, their pitcher Correct. when he's throwing a no hitter in the fifth inning in a, in a world series series. I, that's, I don't know how you get around. I don't know how you get I, around I, that. I, I tend, I tend to think that if you, you can't 
It's like you have to figure out what part of the meal you're going to have first. If you want to address the issues with baseball, you can't wave a magic wand and correct everything. So I think the first thing you do is pace of play, and then we go from there. Then we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens when you address pace of play. Maybe putting a pitch clock in. I don't know. Maybe that leads to pitchers staying in the game more often. I don't know. But what happens sometimes in sports when you make wholesale changes is you get, you end up getting a pushback. You end up getting unintended consequences, right? Everybody thought when the NHL got rid of the red line, the game was going to open up. Doesn't always work that way. Organizations are so scared to let that starting pitcher face that lineup three times through. I don't know. I just or, don't know how uh, Major League Baseball as a whole is ever going to change that. You know, or hockey, the idea that, okay, we're going to stop hooking and, and all that. And everybody goes, great. That's going to give the skill players more chance to do stuff. Well, it's also taken a little bit of the physical edge out of the game. So every time you make a change, you have to be careful that there isn't a rebound, that something happens as a result of that that negatively impacts the game. So that for me, that's where baseball is right now. You got to address pace of play first and foremost. And I think you do it gradually. The other stuff, you know, it, it's the other stuff is going to have to be addressed is going to have to be addressed differently. But that that is the focus for me right now. And uh, we've talked about using the double hook or the idea that you can't start in the postseason game unless you've made. So I, I think that that has legitimacy. You can't start in a postseason game unless you've made three starts, let's say, in the regular season. What if you don't have anybody else? Tough. Get get a start. Put another starting pitcher on your on your on your roster. Mm. So maybe Jake Odorizzi has to start for you instead of your instead of your one of your relievers. Make teams have to think about what would happen when they get to the postseason. And on the flip side of that, teams like the Rays would say at their organization, "It's not it's not our fault that the game's slower." We're, we're trying to win games. We, we're, we are doing with what we have. That's, that's fine. But I, I, and I have no problem. You can still do it with what you have, but we got a pitch clock in. So, yeah, the pitch clock, you know, pitch no, but, clock 15 but, but, seconds. No, but Kevin, I think that's but Kevin, a good I'm idea. just th- throwing, what I'm saying is you are not going to go to the Rays and say, stop doing what you're doing. You're not going to go to managers and say, stop managing pitchers the way you're managing them. What you do do is change the game. And then you say, if you guys want to keep doing that, go ahead, figure out. If the Rays, if you put a pitch clock or something in and the Rays figure something out, Godspeed to them. You know, God bless them for doing that. But that's in the very least what has to be done to baseball. It has to be addressed. And then if people pivot off that, they pivot off it. But this other stuff, uh, you know, you don't want to completely rewrite the rule book. You just don't. Because I don't think that's going to get you new fans. I really don't. There are a lot of textural elements to baseball that make it the game it is and that I a game that I still enjoy watching. Uh David Sampson is host of Nothing Personal the podcast on CBS Sports. He is the former president of the Miami Marlins. He's got himself a World Series ring and as he pointed out on social media last night since 2003 four of the NL East's five teams have won World Series. No other division can say that. Any guess on which team hasn't won a World Series since 2003? Ah the Mets. The pesky Mets. David Sampson joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
All right, so the Atlanta Braves are your 2021 World Series champions. First World Series win for the Braves since 95. And I can't... I wrote this down someplace. I think it's like the... Is that the 15th different team to win win the World Series in the last 21 years or something like that? Um, It is... Baseball remains the one sport that has parity when it comes to your the championship teams it it remains to be awfully hard or it remains awfully hard to repeat as a world series champion gotta have a lot of luck you gotta have the right guys stay healthy saw that with the astros you gotta have the guys that you depend on all season to stay hot that takes some luck jeff well uh our next guest our friend david sampson is host of nothing personal with david sampson the podcast at cbs sports hq he joins us in blair and Barker. David, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. You pointed out in social media today, I did not know this, or I should say last night, uh, that uh, four of the five NL East teams have won World Series since 2003. That includes the Marlins team that you were part of. <clears throat> Does not include the New York Mets, which I'm sure will will, will shock people. Um, the, you know, people talk about baseball has issues and you know clearly there's a cba talk coming up and games take too long yada yada etc cetera, etc cetera. but i gotta ask you this david at its core isn't there more right with baseball right now than there is wrong with baseball oh i think there's no question one of the things that drove me crazy over 18 years is i felt like baseball was always under a microscope and that anytime we wanted to change anything that we would be looked at with shock and scorn and anger where the other sports change rules and change things all the time. And they, they, that gets defined as progress. So baseball is defined as, as you're ruining the game. But if you look at what the main thing that we sell is hope and take a look at all the different teams that can win a world series, because that's the object of the game. It's fun to make the playoffs. It's nice to be in the race in September, but truly the only thing that matters is rings no matter what people tell you, it's all about the rings. And you just gave a great stat, and that National League East stat, the fifth team in, in, in that division is the Mets, and they were in the World Series in 2015, right. but lost to the Royals. So every team in the division has either appeared or won the World Series in 18 years, and there's no other division like it in baseball. And it just makes it fun every year, and when spring comes, it makes you feel like even if your team's tanking, well, maybe something crazy will happen, like the San Francisco Giants this year who were supposed to stink and ended up winning 107 games. How do you think history will look at the Braves at this championship team? I mean, I'll, I think a lot, David, will depend, will it not, on, on what happens next year. You know, can, can, can the Braves get back? They, they could be a better team next year. They, could have Ronald, they should have Ronald Acuna healthy. Maybe they get Freddie Freeman back. I don't know. Maybe they can make some other moves. But... They could be a better team next year than they are right now. So I, I, I guess in some ways history, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens next year before we judge this team. Well, you always have to wait and see because history requires a rearview mirror. But there is no World Series team or even a runner-up who just says, hey, let's run it back. You always, even the Yankees, when they were repeating from 98 to 2000, they had a core of players but players around them who were very helpful in winning those World Series were different year over year. So the Braves are going to look different. They're not going to have Soler and Peterson and Duvall and Rosario in the outfield. 
Soroka should come back from his Achilles, and that'll help the rotation. They're going to sign Freddie Freeman. But I think, as you so properly said, it takes so much luck to actually win the darn thing that repeating to me is just so impossible to even predict. And when it happens, it happens because of totally different reasons. It's not going to happen because Rosario has such a great postseason again next year for the Braves. It's not going to happen when the back end of the bullpen consists of Matzik and, and Minter and Smith and Jackson, and they go shut down for, for the whole postseason, there'll be other things that will have to happen for them to win, and that's what makes it so rare to repeat. Do you think uh, fans that hate the Astros because of 2017 hate them less because they made the World Series, or did they have to win the World Series? That's a funny question. I, I think that fans love the emotion and love having the villain. So I don't think that anything that happened with the Astros will change how people view them in terms of their 2017 team in that World Series. And I think that fans need that. And as an executive, I never worried about being the villain, either myself or the team, because the only thing you don't want is apathy. But if you've got hatred or anger, and that's, that's a pretty close line to love and commitment and, and sort of commonality of interest. So I think that the Astros embrace it. I think baseball doesn't run from it. But I do know one thing. The players don't think about it at all. So, David, you know, any time the team wins the World Series, we talk about its importance to the players and the manager, et cetera, et cetera. What does it mean to an owner and to a baseball executive to wake up, you know, the next morning and go, I got a World Series ring? I, I mean, I can't believe it. Our team won the World Series. What does that mean? To, a, to, to an executive? Uh, it's an obit moment. And uh, that sounds strange, right? But people think that way. I admit I thought that way when I woke up on October 26th of 2003 and we had just beaten the Yankees. And I said, well, that's going to be mentioned in my obituary. It sounds sort of morbid, but it really is true. And there's like legacy moments in your life when things happen. And most of them only happen upon reflection where you think back to a moment and say, wow, that was a critical fork in the road in my life or a critical accomplishment or a critical failure or a critical moment. But some things, when they happen, you realize their importance. And winning a World Series is one of them. And the feeling is, is two-sided. I remember this so clearly, Jeff. The first feeling was, that's it. As Brian Snickers told his team yesterday, he said, boys, you will be world champions forever. So you think about that the next day, that you know, for the rest of your life, you have a world championship. And then the same minute you think to yourself, okay, now I have to start rolling the boulder up the hill right now because I want to feel this again. And that feeling of needing to constantly chase the next feeling, the next sort of hit of dopamine, I don't know how to stop that. That's how I've always been, and so many of us are that way. But what it does is it makes the moment shorter where you can enjoy what you've accomplished because you immediately start, as I said, pushing that boulder back up the hill. And I think every executive and owner goes through that. Do you think the Astros can get back to the World Series with no Carlos Correa on their team? Well, I think we said the same thing. Can they get back without George Springer? Can they get back yeah. without Justin Verlander, who is hurt? Can we? So I think that, of course, there's always a way. When you've got Altuve and Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and those young pitchers, you know, Valdez and Garcia, those are good pitchers in Urquidy, and they're going to be a year older, and they're going to be a year better. They're young enough that they're not quite in their prime yet. So it's definitely not out of the question. But I think what they'll tell you is it's really hard. They're going to need someone to play shortstop, but if it's not Correa, but 
believe me, someone will be there opening day. Dave, when you guys won your World Series, you did so with Jack McKean as manager, and I think it was about 105 when uh, <laughs> when he won when he won the World Series. Now we saw Dusty and Brian Snitker here. We saw Tony Larusa in the uh, in the playoffs as well. Uh, do you think that maybe things are kind of swinging around a bit here, and we may see more? older managers staying in the game longer, you know, maybe older managers who are still open to, to analytics. We had Alex Anthopoulos on it. He talked about Ron Washington as old school as you're going to find, but Ron Washington is kind of brought into analytics. Now, do you, do you see that happening that we may, we may have more and more veteran older managers? I think that MLB is a big time copycat league. When we see something works that another team is doing, we're going to try to do it and get the same results. So like when the shift started, we started looking at shifts saying, wow, that may work. Let's try that. And with managers, we'd go back and forth over the 45 managers that I had over 18 years. We'd go from older and experienced to young first time. When it didn't work, then we'd go back to old and then back to young. But I think that one quality needs to be the same, and that is the ability to work with the front office. And even no matter how old you are, the days of Jack McKeon are over where he would look right at me and say, you can tell me whatever you want, but Josh Beckett's pitching game six. <laughs> and I said, Jack, are you sure? Because our, I'm being told and I believe that we need to hold him on regular rest for game seven. And Jack said, that's great. I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Beckett's starting. <laughs> Those conversations don't happen anymore like that. And even if you are an older manager, you do not talk to your front office that way because your front office is pretty much – saying, this is what we're doing, are you on board or not, but we're doing it. And uh, so the older managers that you're mentioning are willing to work with their front offices in that way, but not all of them are, but the ones that you see are the ones who do. But Jeff, can we take a moment on Alex, please? Yes. I I, I know that you spoke to him. I wasn't able to listen to it. I hope he's doing okay. Yes, he is. But I felt for him last night because I noticed he wasn't there on stage. Right. And that's the first time I realized he wasn't there. And I was wondering what was going on. Is he okay? Did he get in trouble? Did, is he sick? Or is he somewhere else distracted? Because that moment on stage after you win a World Series is magical. And that's another one of those moments that, that sort of freezes in your mind forever when you're handed the trophy by the commissioner or by your owner after the owner gets it. And then word came out that he wasn't even in Houston. And I hope that he somehow gets a way to celebrate. But missing that moment and missing being in that clubhouse with champagne, I, I really feel for him, and I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, he, uh, he, he said he's doing well. He doesn't have any symptoms. He's hoping that he can get out for the, uh, for the parade, which I, th- I think they think is Friday. But I, I, I credit to the Braves for keeping a secret because he, he wasn't at game four and five either. He, he missed games four and five. So I, I don't know if uh, you know, the Braves kept a secret, I guess, but uh, it's, I almost feel like saying, Alex, I don't know what it says that a general manager can miss games four and five of the World <laughs> Series and nobody notices it, but I figured I wouldn't do that because uh, that's probably not, uh, probably not what, he want, what he wants to hear right now. I uh, am shocked at that, absolutely shocked to hear. This is the first time I'm hearing it. And now I feel even more sad that he missed 50% of his games of the yes. team that he put together. But that is uh, the fact that that was kept quiet. You're exactly right. That is bizarre. Uh, so what do you think happens now with CBA talks? I know that uh, I hate to automatically shift focus to it, but we're going to have probably some free agents uh, declare in the next, in the next day or so. And, and we're going to have 
focus on CBA talks and the contract does expire on December 2nd. What's your read on things? Uh, partly cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Yeah. I think that uh, both Tony Clark and Rob Manford and the players and owners recognize that the appetite for a work stoppage amongst the sponsors and fans is de minimis. However, they also recognize that they're not going to cut a bad deal just because they recognize that. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's going to have to be compromise. And right now, there's been no conversation about how to deal with the major economic issues that the union cares about, which is arbitration, service time. And there's been no conversation about dealing with what the owners want, which is pretty much the status quo. So there's going to be the way this works now is you get together and you take care of all the stuff that you agree on. And you get that out of the way, and then you produce an issues list that has all of the economic issues and other player comfort issues or anything that is not agreed to and that is going to be more difficult. And you go down the list one at a time, and you talk about it, you make proposals, but proposals don't come in a vacuum. If I take A through C, then you have to give me D through S. And there's sort of that sort of bargaining that happens and compromising, and that will go on here for the next month. But I just don't see a path to an agreement by December 1st, which I thought was the expiration, but it could be the second. And I just don't see how it gets done that quickly. But that doesn't mean there's going to be missed games, even if there is a quote-unquote work stoppage. That's more of a legal term that happens when there is no longer a collective bargaining agreement in place. But for the baseball world, uh, there's no games until March 31st. It's not like when the pilots strike, and that means you can't fly the day the agreement is up. And so you feel it immediately in baseball. You won't feel it until games are missed. And I think both sides recognize that's the real deadline. David, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Hey, looking forward to the next time. Have a great day. Take care. It's David Sampson, host of nothing personal, the podcast at CBS sports HQ. I remember covering that, uh, that world series when the Marlins beat the Yankees and it was great because Jeffrey Loria, the Marlins owner who owned the Montreal Expos, and David Sampson was their president, they brought everybody to New York. They brought family members. They brought extended family members to New York for that for those final games. And they had everybody on the field. And there's a, yeah. there, there's, there's a great story, and I'll always remember this. Part of it is Jeffrey Loria was a Yankee season's ticket holder, and so was David Sampson because they grew up in – well, they lived in New York – the, the Marlins people were out on the field celebrating, and this was like an hour, an hour and a half after the game. And the stadium operations people at Yankee Stadium started to turn the lights off on the field. And George Steinbrenner was still in the office. And George Steinbrenner went walking through the press box, went over to the stadium operations people. We, we could just see him gesturing, and the lights went back on. And uh, one of the uh, writers went and talked to Steinbrenner. What was that about? He said, I told him, they kicked our ass fair and square. If they want to celebrate in the field, let them freaking celebrate in the field. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those, 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 you know, they deserve it. It was one of those great moments. It was one of those awesome. great moments. Uh, and that was, uh, and of course, you know, the Marlins haven't been back since then. Yeah, the conversation, but, the, the, he, he talks about the conversation between the manager and the GM you can imagine Charlie talking to Ross that way, right? This, this guy's pitching no matter what. I, I really appreciate you giving me that information, but this guy's going to pitch, yeah. Well, Jack Times McKean, I mean, that, that was one of the more remarkable World Series champions. They had a low payroll. They were a fun team. Uh, Jack McKean, who I wasn't 105. I don't know what he was. It might have been in his 80s, but he took over. He was this old cigar-smoking guy. I remember 
before I think it was it was after it was before the last game that was played in Miami. So it would have been what it was one, two, three. It was around game five. We they held a post-game party at the stadium. We're out there, and it's like 2:30 in the morning. And I'm in line to get another beer. And there's Jack McKean behind me with a cigar, and he's double fisting it. And he's got to manage a freaking game the next the next day. And he's got a cigar and he's got a couple of days. Give, give a crap. He was having uh, fun. Manager's only as good as your players. Isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> uh, anyhow, we appreciate David Sampson joining us. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So congratulations to Alex Anthopoulos and the uh, 2021 World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Congratulations to John Gibbons, their advanced scout. How about that? Gibby. Gibby. Finally, Gibby. Finally <laughs> gets it. George Poulos, the trainer. Mike Frostad, they were oh, here. I love George. They were here in Toronto. Sal Fasano. Sal Fasano gets himself a ring. That's great. Good for him. That's really good. Really happy for Sal Fasano. So uh, that is it for us. We will be back tomorrow. You got a couple more days of Blair and Barker before we take a winter break. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.